Happy Saturday, lurkers! Welcome to another Saturday morning review. What do you think about Hollywood's gambling problem and our entire Barbenheimer review? Hmm, sounds like, hey Ken, let's lurk! Barbie. Oh, hey, Ken. Wait a minute. <laughs> I did not consent to the... What? Did you not consent to that uh, interaction? Because um, I've got... I a... am Knuff. <laughs> Scott and I, like many other people, went and saw Oppenheimer and Barbie. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Finkel is Einhorn. All of it at once. <laughs> I don't know about you, but listen, I on my screen right now, I have Rotten Tomatoes up for Barbie and Oppenheimer. I've got IMDb scores up for both Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. I was using the Run P app, and that has its own ratings, a P rating, whatever, you freaking freaks. A P rating? Yeah. I don't know. That's weird. How many Ps? We're going to have to talk about that. I want you to unpack that later for me. But let's get into – let's flip a coin – and let's talk about movies. Oh. I don't know where my quarter went. Can we flip a credit card? Sure. Okay. Flip Bandit for all I care. I call I call feats. <laughs> okay. Heads, tails. Ready? Ready. Call it. Heads. It's heads. All right. I don't know what this means. What does this mean? Uh, that just means we're going to go with the first movie we saw. Okay. Can I give my review? Please. Just because... Not spoiler before first. We st- yep, we just want to put it out there. No spoiler first. We get into the spoiler on the second half. We'll tell you when to fast forward. This movie, Scott, is such an interesting tale about how men our destroyer of worlds. It It's this weird conversation about how uh, so much of our society is built around these misconceptions and how people can manipulate one another and how really in the end people go misunderstood. And it's a, a movie about discovery and understanding. And uh, uh, enough about Barbie. I am talking about Oppenheimer. <laughs> I was going to say, which movie are we reviewing right now? <laughs> Okay, Oppenheimer, you long-ass son of a bitch. Mm. And I'm not just talking about Killian Murphy. <laughs> that's one tall drink of water. Yowza. Um, I have to just interject real quickly here that Willie saw this movie in the way it was meant to be seen, with both audio and visual acuity. <laughs> At 100%. I, Correct. being hard of hearing, only got to see, I guess, 50% of the movie the way Christopher Nolan wanted us to see it. I saw all the visuals, but I couldn't hear all of the audio track the way he wanted it to be heard. So I'm going to be I frequently giving... looked over at Scott and he was yeah. doing this. 
<laughs> Which I, was my face when we saw that exorcism trailer. Oh my gosh. Oh God. Oh help me. <laughs> By the way, if if Willie loses the game, he has to go see that. So vote for me. Vote for me in the game. <laughs> Don't vote because I have to go if 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 I win, Scott has to go see it and eat a chocolate bar. <laughs> At the same time, you might as well be recording exorcism on He's me. Die from both. <laughs> Uh, so with all that being said, Willie, let's, let's give a, just a quick review of the acting. Killian Murphy. Uh, if he's not nominated for an Academy Award for this film, I don't know what those people in Hollywood are doing, which who knows if they're going to have the Academy Awards, but Killian Murphy the way this movie was written was for him to be front and center. The script literally said from Christopher Nolan, I walk through the room or I walk to the window. I go and interact with this person. It's written in the first person, which is not normal. Mm-hmm. Killian Murphy to me has always been a background character. Yet we really? get to the end of this film and ho- holy shit. I couldn't think of somebody better to have the charisma to have the range of emotions. Sometimes we were not lucky enough to see it in 70 millimeter true IMAX, mm-hmm. but it was just his face and the limits of his acting, just these micro movements were so telling, uh, sometimes heartbreaking, sometimes hard to watch. And Killian Murphy to me, 10 out of 10 in this film. Was there ever any reason to doubt that he wasn't this Oppenheimer character? No. Not once. Not once did it seem like he was playing anybody else. He wasn't Killian Murphy anymore. He was literally the guy that we came Mm -hmm. to see this movie. We've got the next kind of, I guess, ring of radiation when it comes to the acting. We've got Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yes. All of those electrons surrounding the protons and the neutrons. Scott, we're going to go watch Happy Gilmore and you're going to go back to school because that was terrible. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm doing the bull dance. Let's talk about it. I I would love your feeling on those that you just named everybody in this movie just stepped up to the plate and crushed it it was a home run derby of acting nobody even the people who had maybe five minutes of screen time like i couldn't sense a single person mailed this in we were watching a masterpiece of acting (laughs) through and through start to finish in the beginning you're starting to see like these shots interwoven with the actors and it kind of calls to mind like how Christopher Nolan used only practical effects, no computer-generated effects for this. And Gary Oldman, just his moment <sighs> that he played in this, I guess it's not a real spoiler because every single person in this movie could star and has starred in their own film. Or TV show. Yeah. This, this cast, which I did not peruse before going into it and... Same. By golly, was I surprised. It is a who's who of not only who's been in Nolan films before, but who's been in some like 
other stuff that you definitely have seen and probably loved at one point in time. Mm-hmm. One of Robert Downey Jr.'s aides is a guy from the Seth MacFarlane Star Trek show. One was... of them is literally Han Solo. <laughs> yeah, I, just... <laughs> I was going to say the other guy. <laughs> I, I don't. So, yes, casting wise, acting wise, 10 out of 10. Uh, cinematography. Wow. It's hard to believe, especially at the end. I don't know how they chose to do it with the globe. Like shots of Earth from space. Oh, with a fire kind of perusing. Yeah, yeah. It's a flashback kind of moment. Listen, this is a biopic, everybody. (laughs) If you don't know the story, there's plenty of YouTube videos and podcasts. It's based on a book called American Prometheus, from my understanding. And Which was based on the life of a person named Robert Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> so, the directing is good, the casting, the acting is good, the cinematography is good. This is everything that you would expect from a Christopher Nolan movie. Hold on. I know what you're about to say. And before you do that... Um, uh, you don't know. You don't know as we were about to, As we were leaving the theater, guys... Mm. I just wanted a score. I wanted a, a pressure check of where Scott was at. I'm not going to share his score. I'm not going to share mine ooh, yet. Oh, really quick. Really quick. Speaking of score, not Hans Zimmer. Could you hear it? Uh, I took my plugs out a couple times. and Okay. So, sort of. Yeah. But um, the guy who did The Mandalorian, mm. uh, the Swedish guy. Yeah. Uh, it's not on the front page of IMDb, and I'm afraid to click on anything. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. He's really good. I think his name starts with an I. It's a Magnuson of some sort, maybe. Anyway, you'll like him. You'd recognize him. He's very okay. good. I just need to say that for all the hype going into this film about watch it on the biggest screen, watch it with, listen to it with the loudest volume experience it in the way Christopher Nolan intended it to be seen. Go see it with the football mile, like seven football fields worth of film, 70 millimeter IMAX version where they had to build the entire camera room, projector room, like out several feet just so they could fit the canister in there. This is the hype. It was not worth it. it. I don't think it was worth it. If you went and saw it in that, good for you. What What do you mean it wasn't worth it? Tell the people what I you're going to tell think them. That's the sell- I don't think that's the selling point of this film. Oh, okay. We know we know Nolan likes to film in these huge formats. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that there is a noticeable difference between staring down the barrel of a gun, which is those bright blue beauties of Killian Murphy's eyeballs, right? I mean, they're larger than human beings on screen. That, to me, is not the thing where it's like, if I saw it in IMAX versus saw it on a regular size screen, I would be like, whoa, I am more turned on, right? I'm not... That's not going to be it. No, no, no. I, I honestly... If you shot it in digital and shot it in IMAX side by side, I don't think me, a lay person when it comes to seeing movies, would understand the difference. And you and I didn't even see it in that. We nope. we saw it in the whatever, I guess, poor format. 
climax <laughs> that we went and saw it in. Uh, so you were saying though a score. As we were walking out, Willie turns to me and he's like, "We'll save it for the show." But before I go, just give me a score. What was your score for this movie? It's a little different now. But my score then was a nine. A nine out of, just for the people playing at home, 99? <laughs> <laughs> nine out of ten. Nine, nine out, out of ten. Mine, ladies, gentlemen, lurkers of all shapes and sizes, was a five. Five. Why do we do this? Why do we do this show? This is stupid. This is why. Good God. Was that a boring ass movie? Really? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit, Willie. You told me that there were people going into this thinking that it is Christopher Nolan's best film and oh, I'm just going to lick his taint until he comes. <laughs> <laughs> But do not be fooled, folks. <laughs> He's gotten enough praise that he decided to tackle this three-hour behemoth. And oh. he's jumping in between the future and the past and the present. And he's switching from black and white and sepia tone and young, old. It's 75 different actors from other movies. It's... Huge distraction. But this movie is leading up to him creating the atomic bomb. And then, for some reason, about the bastardization. Third. One third of the movie happens after the big booms. Yeah. Everything that you think will be the climax of this movie is suddenly like, oh, 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 we're still going? We're still going. It's still going. <laughs> Why is it still going? And not only, it's it's an hour long <laughs> after the stuff happens. Why are we still here? I could have gone <laughs> home and written up Scott. a synopsis that was shorter than this film in the amount of time that it took for us to get to the end credits. I I thought, I thought the exact same thing. The the big boom goes off, everybody cheers, blah blah blah, existential crisis, and then it was. Wait wait a minute, we're still we're still gonna sh <laughs> we're, you're still gonna show me something, Chris, buddy, call it quits. And you you had a chance to sleep on this, so maybe you've thought about it differently. Especially when I said I like five, like. The only reason it's a five is because you got five good things right, man. Seriously, you you got the cinematography, the acting, the casting, the direction. Uh, you got. I'll I'll say the score just because it all fits together for people to get really jazzed about it. You know, hard nipples and everything when they walk out. But so as Scott as Scott says at the beginning of this episode that he is for. The screenwriters getting what's due to them. Go, go on, Scott. Go on. Tell me what was the, what was th those are five. What is the one thing? Go for it right now. What's that one thing that you didn't like about this movie? The editor. Liar. No. Liar. 
Don't throw them under the bus. It's the editor's fault for making it three hours. Could it have been? You don't think it was the writers? Could it have been two and a half? What? I mean, what? You need two minutes to jack off. You don't need 30 full minutes. What are we talking about? I know. I'm just saying you could have chopped an hour off of this film. Listen, folks, spoiler alerts from here on out. Okay. There are not one, but two scenes of very well done nudity. We talked it about this tactful. before. Yes. For a rated R movie. I, there was nothing wrong with it except for the fact that, oh, like, who I disagree. the F reads a book when they're doing it? <laughs> no, I disagree. There was something wrong with it, Willie. The fact that it had to be in the movie for any reason whatsoever. We did not need to see as much as you wanted to. So did you. I will not say anything bad about how they look naked. Killian Murphy, Florence Pugh, beautiful people, right? If we Scott, had to see him Scott, naked, I guess. But I will argue. Scott Lee, hold on, hold the on, day I hold die on. That they did not need to be in this movie naked at any point in time. Listen, Lurker, don't let him gaslight you. He turned to me while Florence Pugh is saying, "Read it, read me the Bible," and says. Hey, cut a hole in cut cut a hole in that uh, popcorn thing. We can do this. Well, don't tell our partners. It's gonna be fine. I tapped Willie on the shoulder without my hands. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, I because I had to hyper focus on just what I was watching and not necessarily what I was listening to. I was like, oh my gosh. We can find out that he is a womanizer in so many different ways. Sure. The and to be fair, I I want to agree with you about the writers because just think about what was being told about Florence Pugh, about Emily Blunt. These women are serving a man. Whether Oppenheimer was a womanizer or not, the way in which they're depicting these tales of these two women is he doesn't want to be with her, so he she unalives herself. Uh, she can't handle motherhood, so she gives up the kid. Whether these are real stories or based on reality, you're still telling a tale that these women are less than because of they don't have enough support from the man. And that part of the movie, I think, was like, brought it down. My new score is much lower than a nine, by the way. Eight. Seven. <laughs> okay, Rachel. Seven. Well, that was Monica, by the oh, way. Oh, I don't know. I don't have any friends. I'm sorry. Yeah. What am I? Uh, well, you're just, you're like, you're just like me. You're, uh, you're just a Ken. You are Kenuff. Guys, you, you got a two minute countdown of spoiler free review. And then we're jumping right into spoilers. All right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's start with that score. I will give Barbie a solid nine. 
Wow. Now, is that because you're riding high off of just having seen the movie? Could there be bias involved in it? Well, let's just see. How many times did I laugh in Oppenheimer? Zero times. It was. That's not true. You laughed a couple times, but it wasn't meant to be a funny movie. Correct. So I am biased. Yes. I enjoyed Barbie much more. And it's probably because at the end of Barbie, they didn't say like, oh, here's another hour of. (laughs) Which I'll tell. I'll reveal in the spoiler. Here's another hour of blank. The reason I give it a nine is because. The writing was great. Character development was great. The cinematography and the sets that they had to build Mm. and use and the transition between Barbie land and the real world. Awesome. The casting was good. There's one line that Willie and I absolutely died laughing to the point where we almost missed one of the biggest messages in the entire film. Because we were laughing so hard. And it, it shouldn't have made sense, but the whole movie is nonsensical, and it was just so perfect. I cannot, in good conscience, can, give this movie... Yes, you can. I, I can, cannot, in good conscience, give this movie any score less than Oppenheimer. And for that... I'm going to go with an eight. I don't know why. That doesn't make sense. I can't give it. It's a better movie than Oppenheimer is the (laughs) point that I'm making. It's a better movie. So you got to give it an 8.5. No, no. I I gave Oppenheimer a seven. Oh, okay. 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 That's right. You did. Yes. Seven. You agreed on seven. (laughs) But I want to share a few things about this movie that I, I struggled with. I think the first act of the movie wasn't good. There was a few laughs. There's a few moments. The more I reflect and the further we get into spoilers, I'll I'll share some of my thoughts. But the first act was just predictable. I was expecting everything that was happening next. And it told this really interesting story about Barbie and you, you kind of understand the world that this character is built around, the way the movie is is built, only for that to be subverted a little bit later into the film around Act 2. And that's where I think the movie started to really ramp. So when you, we got to that, like, a third of the way through to that, like, halfway point, I think it was a good movie. I think it was a great movie in the third act. And... Margot Robbie, who, listen, I'm not the first one to to go out and say that, like, she gets put into shitty roles by Warner Brothers. This is a perfect role. Perfect. Phenomenal acting. She should also be nominated for an Academy Award for this film. Um, Agreed. I I love what it tries to tell about society, what it tries to tell about, uh, you know, its social commentary. Mm-hmm. was real I mean it was like timely in a way that is really surprising because it was filmed a year ago yet it hit on beats that we're talking about today overall really really excellent film if it weren't for that first act I would probably give it a nine I think you're channeling our friend Samira with that first act criticism 
I think you hate Why? musicals. I like musicals. The, well, the, the first third oh. essentially was all music. It was just women Listen, singing. Listen, Samira hates musicals. I love musicals. <laughs> well, I think you should have appreciated more the first act and what it was trying to... It, okay. Maybe I'm wrong in that take then. But I will say the first act, it wasn't easy for me to necessarily understand all of the barbiness that was going on because i did not play with barbies growing Mm -hmm. up i did not play with ken's my sisters did so i was around them but i guess i never saw barbie as as anything other than a doll with new outfits like the simpsons made fun of a really long time ago lisa tried to come up with this very important doll that stood for a message and then they came out with another barbie like doll except she's got a new hat and so everybody flocked to that so like that's that's kind of what my understanding of barbie was growing up and that was the thing that really surprised me the most and one of the reasons i rated it so high because not only is the social commentary about human beings and how they've interacted with this toy but the toy itself how it has broken free from what it was kind of originally intended to be based on criticism from people to now that it's kind of standing on its own and it can be whatever it wants to be. It doesn't have to be just a toy with clothes. Barbie is more than that. It can be whatever it wants for whoever it wants. It can be Alan. (laughs) Who the fuck is Alan? If there was a toy named Alan, like we should Google this because I was so confused. That was real. About that. They showed they showed it in the end credits. Oh, Alan okay. was Alan is Lafu in uh, English. Okay, all right. So spoilers from here on out. You had uh, you had your warning. This is now spoilers from Barbie for here on out. I suppose that made sense when he was trying to escape Barbie Land with the humans, and he started that fight and said like. I'm Kent's friend. All his clothes fit me. <laughs> Here, Here's one of the things that I wanted to say here in spoilers, just to start. Will Ferrell likes to play roles where he exists in the real world outside of these toy companies. Because the Lego movie yeah. and now this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was one movie where I didn't mind him being himself which is what he plays in every single movie. It kind of fit. Everything was wild and crazy. (laughs) Some of the lines, the throwaway lines in this movie are so nuts where he's just like, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the maker of Barbie. Her ghost keeps an office on the 17th floor. (laughs) 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 None of that could have been written. Like, like when everybody is like, like tickling him, tickle me, tickle me, tickle, tickle me. Don't hug, no hugs. Oh, don't hug me. Stop hugging me. <laughs> I did laugh a lot more in this movie, and like from the beginning to the end, it tells an interesting story. So here's in spoilers where I'm gonna like be devil's advocate to myself, Scott. I think the first act of this film was meant to be predictable because Barbies are predictable. We yeah. we've grown up. With this feeling of like, we know the jokes that they make, we know what they do, we know what they're all about. Hi, they Barbie. They told it in like a, a witty, fun way. 
nothing surprised you until you got to act two and it's like now we're in the real world and that i mean it's really interesting it's a really interesting way to tell it but i got out going fuck man i hated the jokes it was stupid it wasn't funny but god this last two-thirds of the movie was so good it if it was meant to be lame in the beginning, it's probably because that's kind of what everybody would expect from a Barbie movie if it wasn't right. done by such a masterful director and writer. The Greta Gerwig-Noah Baumbach combo, solid. Like, if they were to ever pair on anything again, like, we're lining up. We're going to see this movie. And by the way, for the second weekend, is this week weekend number two? Or is this weekend one? As this episode goes up, yep, it's weekend number two. Okay, so weekend number two, Willie and I went on two separate days to see these movies. And both times, just based on the colors of articles of clothing, heavy Barbie favor. Nobody dressed up as Jay Oppenheimer. That's not true. There was three dudes in full-on all-black suits yesterday. Oh, I I missed that. I must have not been paying attention. It was too blinded by the pink. Mm Mm-hmm. Like this. Like my room. Yeah. So on the drive home uh, this evening after seeing the uh, Barbie, something crossed my mind. I think both movies tell a really interesting story. Barbie is about how uh, women can be more than... The roles being imposed on them. Uh, imposed. About how you... Ca- huh? Imposed. Opposed works, say? but it's just imposed. Like like the thumbs? <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> Oppenheimer is really all about how scientists and men and people in power try to hold power. Patriarchy. And- Exactly. And so, in my opinion, if you want to know the best way to watch Oppenheimer and Barbie, you start with Barbie, and the moment you see those fluorescent yellow rollerblades show up in the real world, you pause the movie, you go watch Oppenheimer, and then you come back. I don't know if that makes any sense, but... I mean, it, it's in your mind. I I, uh, I look forward to a cut of it, a rough cut when both movies Schneider are available. Cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that a Zack Snyder cut reference would have made it into a Barbie movie? But you know what, folks? It did. It really did. But hold on, hold on Scott. The funniest line was 100% when the narrator yes. said... We recognize that. Hold casting. on, hold on. Let's Mar- let let let's just go back. Take a step back. It's a spoiler. We can tell. Okay. Okay. There is a point where Barbie has broken down. Like the real world has crushed her. She's having an existential crisis. She's laying face down on artificial grass in Barbie Land. And somebody comes and picks her up and says, "Like, you you're okay. Like this is gonna be fine." She looks at her and goes, "She's but." I'm not pretty anymore. And as soon as she says that, the film stops, freeze frames, and a narrator comes through and says, we realize that casting Margot Robbie is absolutely (laughs) the wrong choice for this line. (laughs) 
<laughs> the worst part. The worst part is that it's like the if, if there's one fourth wall break, that was the perfect one. And not only that, Scott and I are crying. <laughs> we are. Our partners are both trying to hit us. Like shut the fuck up. We're trying. Shut the fuck up. We're trying to stifle our laughter because we're surrounded by all of these women and like young girls. And the very next thing to come out of America Ferreira's mouth is this beautiful speech on how women are expected to be this as well as this. And it's just like flipping back and forth and how it's just like all that society places on them and expects on them and how it's all wrong and how it doesn't make any sense and it's way too much. And the whole time, <laughs> Willie and I are still laughing <laughs> that they put this person who says, I don't feel pretty, and it's Margot Robbie saying it. Like, and, and she doesn't even have like full makeup on at this point. Like, It's worn off. There's a sheen that she has at the beginning of the movie that they just totally wiped away, and she's just like a normal, <laughs> everyday it's like Margot she woke, Robbie. It's like she woke up, guys, went into the makeup room, and they go, God damn, <laughs> get on stage. <laughs> That was it. Like, we wake up, and I don't know about you, but I look like the aftermath of the Oppenheimer, of the A-bomb when I wake up in the morning. Oh, Oh, but, but yes, going back to what I said before, at the very end of the movie, Barbie becomes human. She chooses to live as a human. And if... Greta Gerwig had said, like, okay, let's take another hour and explore all of the things Barbie is doing as a human now. That was why I like this movie better than Oppenheimer. Because we did not get that. It didn't matter. Just like... It's true. Fucking Levi, <laughs> Jeans, Strauss, whoever it is in Oppenheimer. I don't care about him not getting a cabinet position. Why? <laughs> Did I have to sit there through that? (laughs) My final opinion on all of this, because this is going to be an extra long Saturday show, is it is worth seeing both. In my opinion, I would see Oppenheimer and immediately then see Barbie. That way you can sleep fine at night knowing that the world is okay. I agree with Willie that it is okay to see both. However, see Barbie in the theaters, stream Oppenheimer when it comes to whatever service it eventually lands on. Max, the place for HBO. (laughs) Real quick, to end the show, Willie, did you like the Ken message? Did you think it... Horses. (laughs) Patriarchy is horses. That's what we're going to leave you on, so... Thank you so much for listening to us this week, lurkers. Please rate and review wherever you lurk. We appreciate the love. So remember, be kind to each other, and we'll see you next week.